0: Getting to know Jesus, growing in him, and showing him to others. And one of the ways that we can do this is by asking the tough questions. What I hope is that we're never a church that that shies away from them um, or resists them, but that we embrace them and we seek to find God through them. And uh, that's why once a month we're, we're doing this thing called Ultimate Questions. And today's ultimate question is this. How can I know I am saved? How can I know I am saved? <clears throat> now, most of us will, heard, will have heard of the placebo effect the idea in medicine that someone who is sick is given a harmless pill it does neither good or bad there 's no medicinal quality to it, um, but then it makes them feel good it has a, a, it has a psychological effect on them it it, it it might even help them but but the whole point of the of the placebo is that it doesn't there 's no medicinal quality to it. So it's psychologically good without it necessarily being physically good. Now in 1807, uh, President Thomas Jefferson wrote to a friend and he wrote this, one of the most successful physicians I have ever known has assured me that he used more bread pills, drops of colored water and powders of hickory ashes than all other medicines put together. Okay, that's a placebo So in other words, any good that comes from the pill that you take um, comes from you believing in that pill and not necessarily because there's anything worthwhile in that pill. Now, there was this guy called Karl Marx, and he didn't call uh, religion a placebo, but he did liken religion to a drug. He said this, Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. Now, I've seen too many lives transformed and changed to believe that Jesus is nothing more than a harmless placebo or a feel-good drug. Uh, no, knowing Jesus is life-giving medicine that, when taken with faith, actually makes the spiritually sick well and the spiritually dead come alive. We believe that Jesus is a real healer with real healing powers over the soul. Now, all of us in this room, and all of us in the world, were all born with stage four soul sickness. Okay, we all have that, and uh, and s- since we are born with stage four soul sickness, we are all we are all born into into terminal sickness with sin and Jesus came to heal us. Uh, in fact Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 2 verse 17, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have called I've come to call the righteous, not sinners. So Jesus has not come to administer a fake pill or a drug. Jesus has come to administer soul surgery. He's come to give us a course of medication that can heal our very souls, our very selves. But the question that many of us have asked is this. How can I know that I'm well? Or how can I know, how can I be sure that I'm saved? Now, we used to say in Wales, we'd say, I'm a Christian because I'm Welsh. Uh, here Here, people used to say, well, I'm a Christian because... You know, I'm a Canadian, and even now people would say, I'm United, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Methodist, I'm Pentecostal. And I hear that all of the time, and usually what that means is that my name is written on a ledger somewhere, or I was confirmed, or I was baptized, or I go to Mass maybe twice a year. Now, the reason why we say stuff like that is is to convince ourselves and others that we are in and not out. That we're well. We want to look well. We don't want to look sick. We want to look well, so we say that we're in and we're out. But Jesus isn't interested which Christian group you identify with. He's not interested at all. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And In fact, if you want to turn there, because that's where... We're going to be kind of uh, anchoring ourselves today. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And that verse says this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ, that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So what Paul is saying here is that there is a test. There is a spiritual MRI that you can take that will show you if the malignant tumour of sin is still inside you. Because no matter how good you are feeling, if that MRI reveals cancer, if that MRI reveals soul sickness, then the evidence trumps the feeling. So this morning, I'm going to show you how to do a self-examination to see if you are in the faith that will reveal to you if Christ Jesus is in you or not, as 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says. So it's important that we know. Not that we feel, but that we know. And knowing, or or having what's known as, as, as assurance will help us to avoid two very dangerous extremes. So this is why we need to seek assurance. So the first spiritual extreme, which is dangerous, is being in spiritual denial. Now, someone who's in spiritual denial is, they're that person that walks through life, through the whole life, telling themselves that they're spiritually okay. That things are probably okay between them, and the Lord, that they are cured. Or maybe they believe that they were never really sick in the first place anyways. But they've never been to the doctor, Jesus Christ. They've never taken his soul-saving medicine. And so they find out after they die that they were terminally soul-sick their whole lives, and they never realized it, only now it's too late and these are the people who are in spiritual denial. On the other hand there are the spiritual hypochondriacs. And these are the people who are actually perfectly well. There's nothing wrong with them at all. We we might say that they are saved. They do have a relationship with Jesus. They've already trusted him for rescue. If you were to ask Jesus, he would give you a first opinion and a second opinion and a third opinion that everything's okay with this individual that they are in remission, that everything's good, that they are in the clear, but they spend their whole lives wondering if they are cured or if they are not. They are spiritual hypochondriacs, if you will. They will get to glory, but when they get to glory, they're going to look back on their lives and think, so many wasted years wondering if I was saved or not. All, all, and all of that time, God had actually cured me. If only I'd rested in that and uh, spent my years not worrying and being freed up to do all sorts of other stuff. So the Bible's clear is that the the fate of the person in spiritual denial is, is hell, is eternal death. And the fate of the spiritual hypochondriac is a lifetime of joylessness and worry, okay? So not hell, but a lifetime, this lifetime of joylessness and worry. So if I was... If you were to choose between being a spiritual hypochondriac or being in spiritual denial, I would recommend you to be a spiritual hypochondriac uh, because uh, the consequences um, aren't as bad. But neither is God's plan for us. God wants us to know that we're saved, that we are his. And for that, you need to perform a self-examination to see if Jesus is inside you. We need to give the right to Almighty God to search me and know my heart, to test me and know my anxious thoughts, to see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139 verse 23. Now, Jesus himself said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Okay, and that's referring to Satan. But I have come that they may have life And have it to the full. Now, the person in spiritual denial needs to know that there is a life for them to gain, and there's and there's a death for them to shun. And if this is you, then Jesus says to you, I have come that they may have life. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying to you. He says to you, I've seen your symptoms, I've looked at the readout of the MRI. They aren't good, but I have what you need. I can make you well. My, my, my prescription to you, according to, um, to what Jesus says, is my prescription is life. I have come that you may have life. And then on the other hand, the spiritual hypochondriac, um, they don't need to know that Jesus came to bring life because they already have life. What they need to know is that Jesus came to bring life to the full. There is no need for you as a Christ follower, as someone who loves Jesus, to be walking around with a cloud of doubt constantly overshadowing you. There is no need for that. There is, there is a confidence and there is a care freeness in the life that Jesus, is, Jesus offers. This isn't religion. Jesus offers you a freedom, a lightheartedness when he moves in. This is what life, life to the full means. And so, so you have not been healed from stage four soul sickness just to live the rest of your life wondering if it's returned. Okay, that's not why you have been healed. And so to the person in spiritual denial who says there's nothing wrong with me, Jesus offers you life. And to the person who's a spiritual hypochondriac, Jesus offers you life to the full. And the solution to both of these spiritual ailments, whether it's spiritual denial or spiritual hypochondria, is the same thing. The way to know that you have had the cure administered and that it was not just a harmless placebo or a feel-good drug, the way to know that, that it's good and it's sure and it's sound and you don't have to worry, is the same, uh, is the same thing. And that word is assurance. Let's say that together. One, two, three, assurance. Now say it with assuredness. One, two, three, assurance. And to receive assurance, we need to look at three pieces of evidence. You know, I said that we have to do this self-examination. Well, there's three parts to this test. First one is this. Have I embraced the holistic cure of Jesus? That's the first test. And to know how to pass that test... um, there are two parts to it. First one is, do you believe that there is a sickness that you need to be cured from? And do you believe that there is a cure for that sickness? Okay, those are the two parts. And then the last thing is, have you taken it? So if you believe that there is a sickness that you need to be cured from, and if you believe that there is a cure for that sickness, and you have taken that, that cure, then you are okay. Um, Every person, every human being is born into this state of spiritual quarantine. Okay, we, we all are because sin has infected us. And so we're born into spiritual quarantine, quarantine from God himself. So sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says this, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This is the state of every person born into the world. And so the first step to, to having assurance is, is believing that there's a problem, because it's only when we believe that there is a problem that we will seek a cure, and that cure is the holistic cure of, of Jesus, meaning it affects every part of your being. You're absolutely changed and so what we read in the Bible is verses like Romans 3 verse 23 that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We read Romans chapter 3 verse 9 that says there is none righteous, no not one Regardless of what label you put on yourself, there is none righteous, no, not one. And then Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to 19 says this, that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. That is our state outside of God and so because of sin we're in this state of spiritual isolation we are quarantined Um, and you know the Bible calls this understanding that when we understand that 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 we are in quarantine that we're in isolation um, the word for that in the Bible is repentance which literally means changing your mind metanoia What this means, what repentance means is agreeing with God's perception of reality. If God says it is so, then it is so. That is repentance. And so knowing that you are soul sick, that is repentance. But you also have to do something about it. And the Bible calls that faith. Now now I just read in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So repentance is like looking at the MRI or the X-ray and saying, you're right, doctor. I see the tumor there. You are right. But then Romans 3, verse 23 actually carries on. And it says, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so what that simply means is that faith or belief, is allowing Jesus to administer the cure to you. This is repentance lived out in faith. Repentance means knowing that you're infected with sin, and faith means allowing Jesus to give you the antidote. And that's what happened on the cross. On the cross, um, Jesus willingly infected himself with our soul sickness in its entirety. This sickness This sin was so profound, you know, that he didn't just come down with a fever, he died. And he was laid in a grave. But three days later, he rose again, armed with the anti venom, with the anti serum, with the antidote for our sin. And he wasn't only carrying it in his hand, but he carried it in his blood, he carried it in himself, in his body. You know and so the Bible uses very, very powerful imagery that says that if we're connected to Jesus' body in faith, then that blood cleanses us from all sin, like we heard last week in First John chapter one verse seven. So Jesus, Jesus becomes our blood transfusion machine, as it were. This means that the infection of sin that's within us has been dealt with. Sort it out. Though you were born in a state of sin and though you have sinned many, many times in your life, Jesus promises that through repentance and faith we can be cured, you can be cured. So examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Ask the first question, have I embraced the holistic cure of Jesus? Do you believe that there is a sin that puts you in a state of quarantine from God, a sickness that you need to be cured from? Do you repent? Are you willing to change your mind? Secondly, do you believe that there's a cure for the sickness and that this cure is administered through faith in in Jesus? And have you taken this cure? Have you placed your trust in him and experienced this justification that we read about in Romans 3 verse 23? Are things now right between you and God? Has that quarantine wall come down? Now as I mentioned earlier even after repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus once you've experienced life it's possible to not to be experiencing life to the full that is you are constantly doubting if you were saved in the first place hands up if you've ever doubted if hands up if you're a christian you've ever doubted that you were saved okay Now, when that when that moves from being a season of your life to the whole of your life, and, and you're wondering and you're questioning, and you never have that assurance and that security that um, that blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Um, that's when things. That's that's when you're not experiencing life to the full. Maybe there are sins that are continually, you know. Wearing you down. And so you see those as maybe proof that you weren't saved in the first place. Um, maybe, uh, uh, yeah, there are many, many reasons why we might be walking in that state of not experiencing life to the full. But, uh, and if you are struggling with sin, then I'd encourage you to listen to my sermon from last week where we talk about walking in the light and not in the darkness and what that means. But here, here today... I'd like to point you to two more tests. So, so we've done that first test. Have I embraced the holistic cure of Jesus? This is me doing a physical examination in case you're wondering. Okay, so that's the first test. And there are two more. Because as long as Satan can keep us in a place of doubt or fear, then we will live miserable lives. And we all know what a miserable Christian is like. And if you don't know, like I've said before, probably that's because you're that miserable Christian. Okay? So, and, and they're no fun to be around. They're legalistic and they're moralistic and it's exhausting. And, and, they're, and, they're, and they never have a smile on their face. They never have the joy of the Lord. They never shine. They, they just look miserable as sin. And so Satan wants to keep us in a place of doubt and fear even though we might be followers of Jesus, we're still miserable. So, to use a different analogy from the whole medical thing, what would an adopted child's life look like if they were constantly worrying if their parents had signed the adoption papers? What would the adopted child's life look like if they were constantly worrying if their, if their adoptive parents had actually signed the The adoption papers. Now, it wouldn't change the fact that they are legally sons and daughters with all the rights and privileges attached. But, but it would affect their joy. And so, Job says this this wonderful line. um, You know, it's a very somber book in the Bible. A lot of struggle. But, but at one point, Job, Job, Job says this: "For I know that my redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth." And if you're a Christian here today, if you're a Jesus follower, that you can live your life with a Job-like conviction that you and God are reconciled and that Jesus is your Redeemer, your Rescuer. And so I want to spend the rest of our time looking at these tests. First one is this. Do, um, do I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. This is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Um, Turn with me to um, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, uh, because it's important that you recognize that these are not my words, but these are the words of the Bible. It says this, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. This is what assurance looks like. Now, I was recently watching this movie called Instant Family about this couple who, who, uh, who suddenly bring three siblings into the house and they foster them and then they adopt them. And it's a very beautiful movie and it's very moving. And, and during this film, there are three separate moments when each of the children refer to Pete as dad or to Ellie as mum for the first time. And these are powerful moments. And Romans 8 verse 15 says that it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to cry, Abba, Father. And then the very next verse says this, that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So when you repent and believe in Jesus as the cure for your soul sickness, then what happens is that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you and that he tells you that it's okay to call God your dad. That's what that means. And not only that, but then the Holy Spirit then testifies or bears witness with your spirit, with your soul, that you are God's child. There's a conversation going on there. Now, as I was writing this sermon, I kept coming back to the question but how does the Holy Spirit bear witness with my spirit? What does that actually mean? How do you know? How, how do you know? How do you know that you know? You know, uh, Craig, the former pastor here, talked about knowing in your knower. But what does knowing in your knower means? Because because the witness of the Holy Spirit is not something that you can quantify. You can't measure it. You can't map it. Even though it's knowable and even though this witness of the Spirit is achievable, it can't be known in a scientific sense. It can't be replicated in a laboratory setting. So how do you know? Well, I would say this, that, there was, that there's an intimacy there between you and God that wasn't there there, before There is a love There is an affection There is a, a friendship There is a bond There's a family connection there You know that you're in the family Now a couple of months ago I read this book called The Furious Longing of God By, by this uh, Former Catholic priest uh, Called Brennan Manning um, And I'd really recommend it. And during that book, I learned this very simple simple breath prayer. And it goes like this. You say, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. And what I do is I breathe in on the Abba. So I say, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. And as I'm walking around, I'm saying that under... My breath, you know, as I'm going into meetings, I'm saying that as I start my day, I'm saying, "Abba, I belong to you," over and over again. That I'm reminding myself that God is my Abba, that God is my Father. And when I realise that that God is my Abba, that God is my Father, suddenly life makes sense. My repentance is is deeper. After all, I'm sinning against m- my Dad. And, and my security is greater. After all, my dad is the creator of the universe. Also, my fears wash away because if my dad is for me, then who can be against me? And my peace is greater because I ask myself what matters more than belonging to him. And lastly, my priorities are completely reordered and because they flow out of this deep sense of belonging. Abba, I belong to you. And in these moments, the Spirit is bearing witness with my spirit. And when this confirmation takes place, I can say with full confidence the words of Psalm 73, verse verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. First John 14 says, says this. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. This is how we know. He has given us of his spirit. That's the proof. The Holy Spirit connects us with God himself. Now, John Wesley, the guy after whom or for whom this church is named, who kind of started this whole movement, tried to put this mystery into words. And I hope you realize that when we're talking about this, it's hard. It's hard to nail it down. It's hard to truly understand what is happening here. And so we can try, but we will always fail. But what John Wesley says is this. He described this confidence that we are the children of God Uh, that the Spirit witnesses to our Spirit, he said that it's like this, and I quote, Hanging with childlike confidence on God our Father, desiring nothing but Him, casting all of our care upon Him, and embracing every child of man with earnest and tender affection. It's a consciousness, this is him still writing, it's a consciousness that we are inwardly conformed by the Spirit of God to the image of his Son and that we walk before him in justice, mercy, and truth, doing the things which are pleasing in his sight. Now I could spend the next two hours trying to clarify and and really try to nail down what this witness is, but I I think I would be as successful in doing that as uh, someone trying to explain to a blind person what the color mauve is, you know? How do you do that? Or trying to replicate falling in love in a laboratory setting Add this and this and this, and then you'll have love. That's not how it works. Both mauve and love need to be experienced in order to be known. And so it's a different kind of knowing. It's a knowing that you know it when you have it. But knowing the witness of the Holy Spirit leads to the third test, and that is this, holy living. Am I living a holy life? So with what I know of God and what he's revealed to me from his word, am I living a holy life? Have your affections been changed? Have the things that maybe used to thrill you that are sinful, have they lost their luster a little bit? Do you do you do things like reading the Bible or spending time with, with God or with others, you know, talking about God? These things that used to make you yawn, are they now a treasure map that calls you into adventure? Has sin lost its grip on you? 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, which we will look at very soon in our, in our John series, um, words that like this. No one who is born of God will, will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now that's not to say that you will be instantly perfect. Of course not. But a way to be assured that God lives in you is the evidence of your life. Are the sins that you used to indulge in without any problem now pricking your conscience? Are sins that used to loom very large in your life, are they maybe now not so massive? Are you able to say no to things and turn away from things that used to grip and grab you every single time? In short, do you want God? Is your orientation now towards him? Do you want what he wants? Do you reject what he rejects? when you're on your own in the quiet of your room, rather than thinking what you can do in order to get yourself ahead, are you thinking what you can do in order to please Jesus? Through through the power of the Holy Spirit, are you dealing with the sins in your life? Are you fighting the good fight of faith? Are you running the race that has been set out before you? Is Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, true of you, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me is Galatians 2 20, true of you is Acts chapter 20, verse 24, your goal. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, is Acts 20, verse, verse, verse 24, your, your goal. Do you resonate with Romans chapter 8, verse 5? That those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. When we take Jesus' holistic cure, it leads to having the Holy Spirit, and having the Holy Spirit leads to holy living. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Okay, this is evidence number one, the assurance of this holistic cure. That's what verse 1 and 2 are talking about. And then verse 2 says this, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Why do we boast in the hope of the glory of God? Well, verse 5 answers that, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is evidence number 2. The assurance of the Holy Spirit. And where does this lead? It leads to verse 3, Romans chapter 5, verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. So this leads to evidence number 3. That's, that's what verses 3, 4, and 5 are talking about, is the assurance of holy living, Holistic Cure, Holy Spirit, Holy Living. Now as the band comes up, let me attempt to speak to your heart, to the deepest part of who you are. Because as we sit here, we're all sat in, this, in, God's, in the waiting room of God's surgery. Okay, that's what's happening now. And so, if you're a spiritual hypochondriac, then examine yourself to see if you're in the Lord. Does the Holy Spirit witness with your spirit that you are God's child? Is there a principle within you that causes you to want to live out the things of God, to live a life that is holy? Then, if this is you, then take confidence that the spiritual MRI is clear that things are good between you and God, that he has cured you of your soul sickness and that Jesus is yours. This blessed assurance is yours. But some of you need to know as well that you have stage four soul sickness, stage four soul, soul can't, can't cancer. You are in spiritual denial. Well, let me tell you that you do have a malignant tumor growing in your soul. And you need the holistic cure that only Jesus is able to to give. You need a blood transfusion. And so examine yourself and see if you are in the faith, if what I've said is true. Read the results of your MRI in the Bible, right? If you repent and if you believe... You know, if you say, Jesus, I see the MRI, I see that there is a, a, a tumor, I repent. And if you say, Lord, I believe in you, that uh, you are the only one um, who, who can cure me, then Jesus will instantly remove that malignant tumor of sin like that. It will be gone because Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full.